Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning. It's so good to have you here today. My name's John Adams, lead pastor at The Vine. And if you're here in person or online, hey, welcome to The Vine. We're so glad you're here to worship with us. And this God who is the God of living hope. And it's so good. And we've been studying the book of Philippians together and are praying that The Vine, and as Paul did for the Philippian church, that each one of you would find and grow in becoming confident in Christ Jesus. And so today we're going to start out with the passage right away. And we're going to go back to what Tim preached on last week, starting back in verse 12 and go through verse number 18 so we can get the context of this passage. So together as we come to God's word and listen now as we hear God's glorious word. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. This is God's gracious, sovereign, holy word. We praise him. We praise him for this gift of his word to us. You know, uh, I don't, I'm sure many of you have seen that classic movie, The Patriot, starring Mel Gibson. It's the setting back then is 1776, and Gibson plays the uh, part of the character Benjamin Martin, who was like a fighting machine back in earlier wars, but now during the Revolutionary War, he's become a farmer and a family man and refused to fight. And, and we come to a point in the scene of the movie where Martin is actually grieving over the death of the battle in battle of his eldest son, Gabriel. The scene picks up where Benjamin's uh, former commander, uh, Colonel Harry Burwell, is actually urging Benjamin to come join the American colonists to fight against the British. So right here, uh, just remember, is is you see him uh, stitching or looking at the flag of the American flag, you're going to be reminded that his eldest son throughout the movie was stitching that flag and just focusing on kind of focusing on his cause and remembering to stay the course. So watch this, this clip and enjoy. Wrong, Benjamin. You matter to your men and to others as well. 
losses are shared by more than you know. Stay with us. Stay the course. I have run my course. Isn't that a great scene? I love that movie. You know, uh, Martin, throughout the movie, had heard that, that phrase, stay the course. He heard it from his wife and then his eldest son. Then he hears it from his commanding officer. And with, though he struggled with grief and hesitation, he comes back to lead the American troops to a pivotal battle. And today in this passage we see in Philippians, we're going to see the setting here is this, that the church at Philippi is worried about Paul who has been imprisoned. He, uh, he's in prison now in Rome. And they sent gifts to Paul through the man Epaphrodites. If you see uh, Philippians 2.25 and 4.10 and 4.14, it shows us that there. And now they're waiting with, if you will, with bated breath to hear a report back from Epaphroditus's, how is our brother and father in the Lord, Paul, doing? How is he okay? And it's so interesting how Paul responds in this letter. You know, you've, after the greeting and the, the, the word of thanksgiving that we've already seen, you'd expect that Paul would take some moments to talk about himself. How am I doing? You know, I'm in prison. Here's how I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. But instead, Paul, if you will, stays the course. And his whole focus is on advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you may ask today, what is the gospel? And here, here's a simple definition for you is this. The gospel is the good news 
of Jesus and his rescuing love. You, you know, remember that the bad news is that we all are sinners and we've all fallen short of God's glory. That's what Romans 3.23 tells us, for instance. And we realize that we have a need, that we've been separated from God in relationship with him and really with one another in a way God intended. And God, by his sovereign plan, decrees that we will be saved by his rescuing love and he sends in this plan his perfect son, the perfect God, who becomes perfect man. And he lives this sinless life, is, is accused, and this innocent, this innocent Jesus is sent to a cross. Why? Many of you know this, that he was sent to the cross to take our sin penalty. And upon himself, he received the wrath of God, the punishment that we deserve because of our sins. And this is the great news, is that for all those who repent and believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that we will enter into a relationship with God forever and ever. And our relationships can be healed more and more, and we can be a part of advancing this gospel. Um, today, we're going to see from this passage that the, the call, the primary call here is, is this, is to stay the course as you and I advance the gospel of Jesus. And, and I mean, how hard it is, gang, to, to stay the course in advancing the gospel when we have hard circumstances or people are coming at us and accusing us. Or, you know, in, in these ways, the Philippians were challenged, too, to stay the course in advancing the gospel. You might remember, if you were here last week, that Tim preached and he reminded us that the first way that, uh, that, that we have resistance in advancing the gospel is this, in facing hard circumstances. And we see this in verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says this, look at it with me. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Tim taught us that uh, that word advance means literally advance with resistance. We're getting pushback in some way. And two ways that here in this passage, in verses 12 through 14, we see that Tim taught about how we get resistance through the hard circumstances that we face. And every one of us face hard stuff, right? We could go around the room and spend hours just sharing the things, the many things that you all are dealing with. But today we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 18, and see, secondly, that resistance in advancing the gospel is also in facing personal attacks. Again, in verses 15 through 17. While Paul is in prison, uh, he, Paul talks here about two groups that are both preaching Christ. One group's motivation is pure. You see that in verse 16. They do it out of love. And they are put, they knew that Paul was defending the gospel in his preaching, and yet he was unjustly accused. But there was a second group who had some bad motivations, 
And, and they, their goal was to advance their reputation over Paul's. I mean, preacher envy was going on in the church. And you see back in verse 15 that some preached Christ from envy and rivalry. And then in verse 17, it says that they had selfish ambition and they weren't sincere. And, and their whole thought was, it says in verse 17, thinking to afflict Paul in his imprisonment while he's still in chains. I mean, you talk about kicking a guy when he's down. They're thinking they're going dis- to dis- discourage Paul by preaching and becoming popular or advancing in some ways, maybe in the eyes of, of other Christians, their status or whatever it was. But it, just the opposite happened in Paul. We see in verse 18 that Paul says, what then? It doesn't matter whether out of, in essence, false motives or good ones. I only hope and I rejoice that the gospel is preached. Let it be preached. Let it go forth. Stay the course and advancing the gospel, even when you're facing personal attacks. Now, now Paul is not saying that um, these Preachers are false teachers, or um, he's saying in essence that their motives, their ambition has gotten in the way. And yet still, he, he doesn't condemn their teaching. He's, what he's condemning is church competition. And I think, have you ever had a little competition in the churches in the Atlanta area? You know, who's the greatest preacher? Who's the best? Who does well? Who doesn't? You know, it'd be like Tim Barton or one of our pastors who preaches often here or Mark Pugh and me kind of competing. Who's the best? And have some rivalry going on in like who's going to get exalted in whose eyes? And then we miss the whole point. The whole point is that we are here simply to proclaim Jesus and advance him. And by the way, that's what your point of your life is is that your life would be a part of advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I love, um, I love the writings of A.W. Tozer. Anyone of you read this pastor and, and writer? He was born in the late 1800s, and he uses some kind of old language. But listen to this and what he's talking about when, about competition between Christians or even churches. He writes this, Dear Lord, I refuse henceforth to compete with any of thy servants. They have congregations larger than mine. So be it. I rejoice in their success. They have greater gifts. Very well. That is not in their power nor in mine. I am humbly grateful for their greater gifts and my smaller ones. I only pray that I may use to thy glory such modest gifts as I possess. I will not compare myself with any nor try to build up my self-esteem by noting where I may excel one or another in thy holy work. You know what? That's beautiful because like, like Paul's teaching here in Philippians, Tozer took this to heart. And may I and our preachers in this church and in the churches in this area take this to heart and may our congregation 
believe and trust that, and stay the course in advancing the gospel, even if you get kind of fired at. You get people who are maybe falsely accusing you or condemning you or gossiping about you. Is your life staying focused on advancing Jesus and his kingdom? So we see here in verse 18 that there is a a rejoicing, a rejoicing in advancing the gospel. You know, Paul's, again, reputation is being torn apart by some. And again, what's his response? The New International Version says that it puts it this way. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. That word uh, for preached is, is actually the word proclaimed in the English Standard Version. And it's used 18 times in the New Testament. And I, I think my calculations are right, but 17 times are about preachers and they're proclaiming. But you might ask, well, what does that have to do with us? We're not preachers. Well, the, the other time, the 18th time, I'm going to share with you in just a few moments about how you are to preach the gospel and God's call to you in your life. We'll get there in just a few moments. But here, here Paul is saying in this verse, stay the course. The priority of Paul's life and work was not his reputation, but the lordship and the rule of God going forth, both to those who did not believe in Jesus to come to know him, and those that did know him to encourage them as he wrote this beautiful letter to the Philippian church. Now, Paul is not saying this, that the motives of a person proclaiming the gospel are unimportant. You know, in fact, in other letters like 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians, he actually says, hey, you've got to stop using bad motives and impure motives like flattery or greed. And we see that, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 6. And why does he kind of address them and not the Philippians? Well, those churches were struggling with Paul's authority, and they were questioning Paul's motives in preaching. And Paul was saying, look, I'm telling you, I'm focusing you right on God's word that my motives are are pure. But here in, in Philippi, this letter, they were not questioning Paul's motives nor his authority. And so he doesn't address them in that way. But I I love what one of a Bible teacher, David Guzik, says about this verse. He says this, If Paul's imprisonment could not hinder the gospel, neither could the wrong motives of some. God's work was still getting done, and that was cause for rejoicing. Verse 18 literally says this, But what does it matter The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice and I will rejoice. 
You see, Paul is clear and concise in all his 13 letters in the New Testament. But here at the end of verse 18, Paul repeats the word, I rejoice twice. Once in the present and future tenses. And you can say, why? Why Why does he do that here? Well, he does this here making a point that both his present and his future joy are rooted in Jesus and his good news being proclaimed. Remember, his present circumstance is prison, and he's being attacked personally. And he says, I can still rejoice in this in the present. And he looks forward to the day in the future. Next week, we'll see, for example, Philippians 1.21, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. He looks forward to heaven and his forever future with God. And he says, and in the future, I will continue to rejoice as God and his kingdom is advanced for his glory. You see, is the proclamation of Jesus, his rescuing work at the source of your joy? Is it? Or are you kind of still striving, still hoping to find other things as the source of your chief happiness. If if Jesus and his work, his rescuing work, is not the center, ask him to tenderize your heart today. (laughs) Cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to receive joy as Jesus is proclaimed, whether out of good or bad motives. You see, the first step we, we... is to see if my heart is is rejoicing first in primarily advancing God's kingdom, or is it focused more on me? I love the quote um, by by a theologian and pastor who mentored uh, King Louis XIV's grandson. So this was a few years ago. And he wrote this, he says, Make yourself little in the depths of your heart. He's not saying just to kind of tear yourself down. He meant to recognize the human tendency that you and I and every person tends to struggle with focusing on me and my life and my, what I'm about rather than saying, Christ, make your life and your kingdom and your glory, my central passion and hope. And so as you grow and, and I grow in this kind of repentance to make ourself little in the depths of our hearts, we will be increasingly motivated to advance Jesus and his kingdom. And you know, another way to, to trust him and to believe him and obey him is is to find out ways how are you making Jesus known to others who don't know him? And, uh, you know, it's it's family members. Do we have all, we all have family members who are outside of Christ's saving love. Or um, we have friends. And or you're here today, perhaps, and you're investigating Jesus. And, and what I'd encourage you to do is find some way to regularly 
pray for them, care for them, and share with them Jesus. And around here, we talk about just simply this. Pray for four. Pray for four unbelievers, those who don't know Jesus and his rescuing love. Care for two of them. Find a way practically with deeds of mercy and kindness to love them well in ways they would feel cared for. And then share with them, ask that the Lord would give you boldness to proclaim him to them. That he would, uh, as verse 14 says, that you would be more bold to speak the word without fear. And you know, um, maybe this isn't your strategy and that's okay. It's, it's not something that, that it's like following a formula that some pastor prescribes, right? What the question here is, do you, are you regularly praying or caring or even asking God, how do I share you? How do I advance your kingdom with others? As we do this, as we do this church, we have the privilege and the opportunity to stay the course and advance this glorious gospel of Jesus. Hey, let's come to him And together in just a moment, I'm going to share with you how you can become a preacher, a preacher to boldly proclaim Jesus to others. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for Lord's Supper. Lord, we just praise you for this day. Thank you, God. that you came, you died, and you rose from the dead as we sang earlier. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. God, help us set us free from self-life and our agendas. And God, make us more focused on your kingdom and staying the course in advancing you and your name and your kingdom and your work that people would be set free. Thank you, Lord. God, please prepare our hearts as we come to your table and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So out of the 18 times that word preach or proclaim uh, appears here in Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 18, and, and then in 17 other times, the one time that it is applied to all y'all is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. And there it's in the setting he's talking about Lord's Supper or communion, which we do weekly and regularly here at the Vine. And it says here, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Literally, it's the word you preach the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that good news? You're all preachers dubbed today as you take of the Lord's Supper. Your life is to preach and proclaim him because if you are here and you're here in person or online and you're in union with Jesus, and you've heard the pro, you've come here to hear the proclamation of God's word. You've aligned, you're aligning your heart with Him. 
as we come to his table, not because of our works, not because of our efforts, but because of his work, we are in union with God, perfect union with God. He's established that. And together, as we repent and believe and obey him, we're proclaiming, we're preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus to one another. And it's going to carry over in your life more and more and more as you seek to advance his kingdom for his glory. So as you take a moment today to think about this verse here about proclaiming Christ, will you ask him today is, Lord, will you help me to repent of kill any sin that, I've been, that I'm struggling with right now? Will you kill it? And secondly, will you ask him, will you help me? Show me practically this week how I can proclaim you to another whether in my actions or my words, that I could proclaim Jesus and be a preacher, if you will, to them. Let's just take a moment in uh, just silent meditation as we prep our hearts, confessing our sins to our Lord and asking Him for more and more trust in Him that we would become confident in Christ. Take a moment now. As you have confessed your sin, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus says this. This is great news for you guys and for me. You know what he says? You're forgiven. I don't count your sins against you. You are my son or daughter, beloved I see you as I see my perfect son because of his work for you. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at The Vine CC. Have a great week.